Day 24, Lake Trout. 800 feet out on a pier in northern Lake Michigan, I wince against the sleet and spray stinging my face. Every Christmas Eve, I come back here. It's the place I first called home. Still, the surging gray tonnage bashing headlong against the breakwater, against the long-suffering shore, rattles me to the bone. Somewhere below the uproar glides a silver fish speckled in ivory. She welcomes the tumultuous waves and the cold. Tumult and cold mix more oxygen into the water, and cold, oxygen-rich water brought lake trout here in the wake of receding glaciers. Rich breathing is better to her than any particular food. Though she will swim the 300-mile length of this great lake, looking for the small fish she prefers. If she doesn't find enough of them, she'll simply switch to tiny shrimp or insects. And if these go missing, she'll choose to be vegetarian, consenting thereby to grow more slowly. Darwin and other scientists since have thought her species to be perhaps the most flexible, most adaptive vertebrate on Earth. Now, in early winter, she's at her ease. In other seasons, she will sometimes follow small fish into water warmer than her, her internal organs like. Choosing to bear this stress for the sake of the food that satisfies her best, or she may spare herself the stress and eat less nutritious fare. Always she's aware of the trade-off and of having to choose, but in winter the warmer water, which the small fish follow, is not much more than 40 degrees Fahrenheit, a temperature just right for her body. Bathed in comfort with ample food besides, she can relax. She relaxes alone. Seven or eight weeks ago, she lived her communal life. It lasted a few days. In late fall, when she felt the water cool, an irrepressible urge rose in her and lake trout everywhere to return to their first homes the beds where they hatched. Half of the hatching beds in Lake Michigan are straight from this pier. It's not temperature or depth or clarity that make these waters so hospitable a first home. It's not the food supply. It's the rocks, limestone cobbles, the size of doorknobs and soup bowls heaped six or more feet thick, some on shoals, some on the bottom of deep trenches. From all ends of the lake, the fish massed here. Through the night, males and females swam over the great rock piles where they had first come awake, silver sides pressed together. When the female swam away and resumed her solitary lake wandering, she left behind thousands of fertile eggs fallen from her body into crevices between the cobbles. It's a kind of faith this shining fish practices, returning, perhaps from a vast distance, to plant life in the place where she came to life. It's faith in the goodness of the rocks, their sheltering crannies, their cold water cradles. She tucked her eggs there, away from predators, away from the churning currents. Then she left, 
She's done all she can do. Vital but dormant, the eggs await, as she once waited until winter ends. It's what they must do to wake. <laughs>